In a world of uncertainty, one thing is for sure. Cancer doesn't stop during a global crisis. On Saturday, June 13th, the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, LLS, will host a trailblazing event, Big Virtual Climb, sponsored by AbbVie, to support their investment in groundbreaking research to advance blood cancer cures and its first-in-class patient education and services, including financial support and clinical trial navigation. Step up to take cancer down by climbing 61 floors or 1,762 steps inside or outside, on stairs, on the road, on your treadmill. Climb your way any way you want. Join us for an opening ceremony and then take on your climb with our heart-pumping playlist. Join us on June 13th from coast to coast as we come together to climb, conquer, and cure. Register at lls.org slash bigclimb. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. I am, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Brendan Quinn. We are in separate quarantined, joined by a third quarantine member this week, uh, Mr. Luke Yaklich, head coach What's of the Chicago. Luke, how are we doing? Uh, doing? Never had it this good. If I had any better, uh, I'd be Brendan Quinn, you know? <laughs> wow. About how good that is. I, I went through the list, Luke, of all of the guests that we've had on this show, mm-hmm. um, which is, trust me, an illustrious list that you're joining it is that's true um but you are the first active head coach that we have had on the show which means you are the only person dumb enough to come on here (laughs) while working as a head coach and and talk to us us idiots i'll be a trailblazer and that's perfect (laughs) here it's just it's gonna just probably take off you'll probably get another another one yeah, another one or half or something. That's it. Uh, it's great. It's great to be on with you guys. I uh, enjoyed, uh, you know, the time when I was uh, at Michigan and they have building a relationship with, with both you. And um, it's great. I, I appreciate the opportunity to do this and uh, looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, everyone, all our listeners will know Luke, obviously, from his time as a Michigan assistant coach um, and then went to Texas. And now, as Nick said, congratulations uh, now the head coach at the University of Illinois Chicago UIC, the Flames. What's the what's the motto? Flame up, flame out, flame it, over. Uh, it, well, for for myself, it's like I always talked, Brendan. It worked out perfectly, guys, because my, uh, my my whole uh, mantra, kind of as even as a high school coach, was bring the heat. And uh, yeah, there I, you go. All the guys about all the time, bring the heat. And uh, so I used it at Illinois State, and I used it with the guys at at, at Michigan, and uh, used guys at Texas and then all of a sudden it's like oh the flames huh I should apply for that job just because this fits and uh it did um so uh it's an unbelievable um a great university uh that uh, has great leadership and there's um you even you know through this but then in the bigger picture uh, there's so much going on at UIC right now um with our, our chancellor and um athletic director in the direction that they're going and um just the 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 flavor and the fervor, if you will, um, around UIC. It, it's, it's, it's exciting. I, I, I kind of uh, looked at it as, you know, Coach B um, 
always said, you know, he wanted to, you know, that the challenge of being at a great academic institution and then building a great basketball program. And, um, you know, he said that, you know, that, that was what was such a, a, a huge thing with him um, in, in coming to Michigan. And, you know, he obviously built a, a heck of a program. Um, I was fortunate enough to, to spend two, two great years uh, with him learning alongside him. And, you know, same thing that experience I had at Texas, a great academic institution with great, great athletics. And while it's on a different scale, uh, UIC has great, great academics and, we're going to try try to build um, a great a, uh, athletic um, program in our men, in our men's basketball uh, program. So it's it's exciting and um, just it's been a been a whirlwind, kind of drinking from uh, the fire hose, so to speak. But it's it, it's been it's been fun and it's great learning experience and fortunate to have a great staff, great administration, and uh, support staff that that has has helped me the whole way. Has has the fire hose been less pressurized because you're like what two hours from home? I mean, you're you're not far from where you where you're from and Lasalle. There, that's yeah. not what is it? Hour and a half, two hours? It is. Yeah, it's Close hour by. and a half, mm-hmm. Nick. It's it's been terrific. And and the nice thing is that uh, I mean, my my daughter uh, Olivia, she had our first grandson and Noah. Mm-hmm. So I I've been driving down from Lasalle, Peru, kind of where I'm wow. staying with at my mother and father in laws. I go down to see her and. Um, and she's she's doing some uh, classwork as well online, so I kind of uh, get my my Noah time, and uh, it, it's been it's been awesome. So uh, and then can do it do everything that we need to do recruiting wise and with our staff, um, obviously in the same format we're doing here. And still not a gray hair. Never. How do you how do you do it? Uh, you know what? Clean, clean living, I guess. Right, Brandon. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. And a little bit of luck. Yes, yeah. sir. Maybe uh, more on the ladder. <laughs> well, uh, well, we couldn't be happier for you. Um, yes. And we, one of the things we want to get into um, right off the bat is obviously your first head, head coaching job, and it's yeah. something that you had envisioned for yourself for a while. Um, but you know I love the backstory um, in yeah. terms of, you know, what happens what happens in the back channels, what hap- how these no things doubt. actually come to fruition. So you were obviously at Texas – um, yeah, the opening pops up at UIC. I don't know if you knew it was coming or not because your predecessor no. they went eighteen and seventeen, lost in the yeah. Horizon League championship game. This wasn't a six and twenty-two program. Obviously, there's a change coming. Um, so that job pops up, um, and this is something that all you guys kind of deal with at that time of year, that late February through yes. March, where you are locked in on your team, but it's also there's there's plates spinning all over the place. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of just take us into what went down when it went down? Yeah, I think uh, you, you know the one thing I guess to to start with Coach uh, with, with Coach Smart, he is he is really really intentional about um, spending time um, talking about these type of things, and and really I, I think the the reason why, well, one of the reasons why, many why you know. Coach Smart's, you know, kind of head coaching tree, so to speak, is 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 sizable. Um, mm-hmm. Is just because of the time that that he spends developing his staff, um, and then at the same time, the amount of time that um, and the voice that he gives um, to his staff. It was a great a, a great learning experience. And coach, and anytime we were on the road, Brandon, and we, we'd be talking. He'd say, "Okay, well, what, you know, if you were a head coach tomorrow. What would you do?" So there's always these kind of like just 
just talk talks. And sometimes it's kind of like this gray area that nobody wants to, to right. discuss. But with Coach Smart, it was like, you know, be on a plane and he's at, you know, he'd say, so, you know, what kind of offense you, th- you thinking about? Or, you know, if you've got the job tomorrow, who's somebody you'd call to be on your staff? So it was always like, there's just these fresh conversations that mm-hmm. we have now at the same time, you know, completely locked in toward, toward what we were doing. Um, we had a heck of a run at the end of the year, um, you know, just putting ourselves in position. And then you're out there in, at Texas Tech, you're, you're playing to really get into the tournament. And then you know, our director of operations comes running out of the locker room. Nope, done. Come off the court, get back in the locker room. And, um, you know, little did you know, it's the last time you're going to be around a, a group of players um, coaching. So that ended. And then, you know, we had this two-week period where we're just trying to help coach and, you know, at Texas kind of adjust to this and what, what's the plan, how's it going to work, and then, one thing after another gets canceled and then an online class and then school gets, it just falls apart. So wow. it was in that, in the middle of that, Brennan, that uh, uh, the UIC um, position had mm-hmm. become open and then immediately, you know, tried to, um, you know, make sure that uh, got contact uh, and had an opportunity to do a phone interview um, with our athletic director, Michael Lippitz and, um, I think we spoke on a Saturday and probably for about an hour or so on the phone and um, kind of the wheels got turning. It was right before everything kind of wasn't all locked down. And then there was a mm-hmm. a point that uh, had some people he was going to bring in and um, put my face mask on and, uh, and, and went up, uh, took, a, took a flight uh, before everything was done and got up there and um, just did a, you know, one-on-one interview and a, with uh, social distancing and play and uh, elbow bump at the start and uh, an elbow bump at the end. And <laughs> then after that, things were basically kind of just put on, uh, on kind of the lockdown, then did a last interview um, with more with um, our chancellor and athletic director on at the same time via, via the zoom call that kind of like we're on now. And then I was driving um, Brandon back from Texas and um, my son and I were driving up to Illinois and then got the call. It was at the, uh, the Oglesby exit on Route 39, uh, getting gas, and um, mm. got the call. And I, I remember holding the phone up in front of Griffin, and, and uh, he looks at me, and I looked at him. It's like, okay, this is either going to be really, really good or <laughs> I'm going to be yeah, really right. <laughs> There's no gray area right now. And uh, – <laughs> As soon as I uh, called and, and he, he just, he, uh, Michael said, uh, you know, we'd like to have, offer you the position. And then uh, I just started screaming in the car and uh, my son had to calm me down a little bit uh, to actually talk to, to our athletic director in a little bit more sane manner. Uh, right. But it, it was exciting. And then, um, you know, as, as they say, the rest is, is kind of just been a, uh, a whirlwind, but it's been a fun whirlwind, and it's one that uh, had uh, you know just slowly, kind of piece by piece, you just put stuff together, and you try to try not to go um, you know too fast with the decisions. That's the one thing that um, I think I learned most from Coach Beeline is there's, uh, and even Coach Smart was really good at just being a pragmatic approach to how you're doing things, and that trying to like okay let's get the roster done in a week 
um, that doesn't need to happen. It's got to be the right, the right kids, the right culture and everything. So it, it's been a, I've really learned the art of patience and then uh, being, being intentional um, about, about what we're doing. And it, it's, it's been fun. Um, and again, the, the, the process is, um, I think we're like about 50 days in here. Um, and, and it's been great. We, we really have a good staff together and that uh, really excited about and uh, have some good, some really some great kids that we're really excited about bringing in. And uh, it, it's fun. Luke, it's about perfect that you get the phone call that you're getting a job while you're pumping your gas uh, on the left side of the road, but yeah. given your backstory as a coach and, and the sort of path and everything else. And I guess, I mean, for us, Brent and I know your backstory. We know the climb and how unique it was. And really, there's a lot of betting on yourself and everything else that goes into that. Um, to have that moment with your son, right? You're in the car. It's just you two. What, what's that drive, I suppose, after you get off the phone, after, you know, Okay. Yes. Obviously, I'm taking the awesome. job. Take me into that, like in the car ride, because you guys are still in the car. I assume for a little bit. What What's that? What's that sort of like once you guys sort of settled in and, and had that time together? Uh, I was. It was. It was. We got the music went up loud. I have no clue what uh, what rap song we were on at that point. Yeah. Um, but we were on probably 97 of them. Um, but at that point, from Texas to 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 Illinois, and uh, it, it was just. Um, it was a surreal moment. It really was in the car together. Um, I'll never forget just the, you know, the joy on my face, obviously, uh, the, my excitement level, and then looking over at Griffin, uh, and he was, I mean, just, it just gives me the chills to this day. It was, like, it was a fist bump in the car with, with, with my son. I was like, Dad, you did it. And, uh, yeah. and I said, no, we did it. And, um, you know, as a family, um, you know, we, it, it's, it's been great and to share that moment. Um, with him at that point was, was awesome. Then I drove right to my mom's and um, let her know and, and my dad know. And then my mother and father-in-law and um, it, it was, it, it was uh, really a surreal experience, but it, it was, it was also one that was I captured in the, in the right way. Cause I was right there with my son. We'd spent so many yeah. car rides together going to AAU and, high school scouting uh, back in Joliet and then going from, uh, you know, this practice to that practice with, with AAU. So it, it was great. I mean, it was in, in his, every sense of the word great. Um, it was, if I could have had it as a family where I got to call in the living room while we're all watching a movie, um, that would have been better, but having it with, yeah. uh, me and my son in the car was, it was terrific. Then, then being able to go, uh, share the excitement with, uh, with my family was, 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 ter was terrific. So Luke, one of the only uh, negatives would be your climb, Michigan, Texas, UIC. Um, what do you do with that many maize ties, <laughs> burnt orange ties? But you went all in on the school colors everywhere. No doubt. Like, Got like to. what happened to that? yellow shirt that's, that's that you wore at Michigan I gave for all the time. Then you got a burnt orange shirt at Texas. I got <laughs> what happens to all this? <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so uh, many of those, um, they, they went to uh, the, the GAs. Um, so our graduate assistants and, the, and managers say, guys, if, uh, if uh, you need anything, let us know. And then uh, some, some stuff uh, to goodwill. 
and then um, some other stuff made the trip and is still in um, conveniently, you know, hung and pressed in um, in a closet, which is now going to be getting in another box uh, to take another move to Chicago. And then we'll kind of go back to the, uh, the red and the, the navy blue now. So we, we, that, we're that yellow again. shirt, that yellow shirt was god awful. <laughs> you know what though <laughs> it represents you got to. what we're all about okay? there you go was, all you know, in Brennan, the key thing with that shirt though is that we had that it was a maze out where that shirt was bought okay before. so you know cut me some slack there. I was trying to get in with you know, maze <laughs> rage I wanted to have a connection you know as coaches that you want to have this feel and have the, the, the students and the, the, the fans all in come on man fair all right fair. I'm off my soapbox now that's the situation behind the maze shirt <laughs> so we have to touch on the fact right you were hired what day was that phone call when you were in the car uh, that was March. Take a look at that exact date, and I should know that. Um, I would have thought you would. Twenty something. <laughs> Good question. Twenty uh, fourth. I have to look up the exact date on that one. That's all good, but that's to the point. Of, kind of, uh, about two months ago. Yes. And so, I mean, I've talked to so many coaches who are have gotten their first gig. Nick has done the same. I remember Monte Ross. Uh, when he got his first job at Delaware, and I went down to see him. He's now an assistant at Temple with Aaron McKee. But he got his mm-hmm. first head coaching job at Delaware, and I drove down to do something. And uh, we're in his office, and it was just mayhem. It was just boxes and boxes of shit all over the place. But he said this thing that just never I never forgot. He goes, you know, it's getting your, head, your first head job is, is like a dog chasing – a car because you go after it and you go after it and you go after it. But then once you catch the car, what do you do? All right. What does a dog do? And they, what do you bite the bumper off? Like there's not, you, right. there's, you just Good. don't know what to actually happens now once you accomplish this, what yeah. seems like an impossible feat. Uh-huh. Um, and, and knowing you and both your organizational skills and how long you've worked for this and the fact that uh, you, you were, I remember talking to Kevin Stallings about you when you were a, a GA, I think, with him, right? Um, yeah, manager, yep. And, and him just saying, like, you know, this guy was photocopying everything and, like, keeping one page for himself because he was clearly planning on being a head coach one day. So you accumulated yes. all of this shit, and I say that in a good yeah. way. <laughs> Correct. 20 years, and now, now, boom, you got the job, and it's during a pandemic. Yes. What do you do? Uh, you are, you, you become, <laughs> so the, the, the key thing that I, I, I've learned is that, uh, simplicity, uh, Da Vinci said it's sophistic, uh, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. And I made myself, uh, Brandon, I, I get very, very simple and really parse down all the things um, and then try to really set an agenda with, with Coach B. He had, I don't know if you ever saw Coach B lines checklist, but he had these boxes mm-hmm. in this manila bound thing. And he was like, I just remember looking at this thing, a similar, I, I, it's what I thought of when you said about chasing the car. And when you, when you get, so it's like you have this checklist and it always, it ne- he, Coach B said, guys, when you're a head coach, this stuff, it never, it never disappears. 
the checklist is there and you just keep adding stuff to it and you just keep knocking stuff off and to try to prioritize as much as you can. So to, to that point, you know, when I, when I realized like, okay, I'm sitting in Austin, Texas, um, really not traveling and I'm in an office in Austin recruiting for a university in Illinois with a staff that ends up in Rhode Island, North Dakota, and Chicago. And so it's that point, it's like you have to realize that for me, it was all about communication and it's about communication regardless. Uh, but even during this time, time, and even to this day, it's like there, there's a way that, you know, we can, we can really be um, on board and grow. And that was my challenge. I, I just told myself, Brandon, that I'm, we're going to use this situation as much as we can as a, as an advantage. And we're going to look at it as something that we can use to our benefit. Now, it's a, obviously an unbelievable and awful situation um, to be in for everybody, uh, no matter what, you know, where you are or what your position is um, and what job that you have. Um, it's, it's a concern, but I, I tried to like wrap my mind around this at the start, like, okay, this is the situation. So how do I communicate best in a, the most simple form that I can? And then at the same time, start to then try to knock off these checklist items from, okay, let's get a list of recruits that we need to identify and, and really go after. Then, okay, the next step, got to make sure that we identify who I want on staff. And then the next step, was then just constantly um, keeping up to date and most importantly with, with our current players. So it was like, that was the main thing. I just said, for, till I get that done, we're not like, that's the key thing. Just focus on our players first, the guys that are still coming, that are going to come back. Then let's talk about the staff and then we'll talk about recruiting. And that was the, the simplicity of it. Um, and now looking back, I mean, I really, I, I there's, there's some things that I, I would do differently. Um, but in terms of like really making this a very focused and simplistic approach towards it, uh, I think that was, it helped me. And then it also helped our staff as each guy came on board to kind of just take a little bit off of my plate and then be able to kind of branch out them and start this recruiting, putting the recruiting puzzle together and then connecting with our players and then slowly bringing this all together. And it's, through these zoom meetings, right? If you fast forward, like I, I, the 50 days to say like, man, our, our team is like, we're pretty connected. We're able to do some things, um, you know, with the, the care hours now um, that is, it, it's been good. It's, I, I would say after, you know, the, looking back that it's been, it's been, it's been fun. It's been learning, but we, we have grown our staff and our players together, which is the, the most important part about this whole thing. Um, going back to the simplicity approach that we tried to take sitting in the office in, uh, in Austin, it was basically six, you know, six in the morning and then making the last call at 11 o'clock at night, my wife coming in with, you know, some coffee or like, Hey, let's, uh, let's wrap it up for the day. Uh, maybe take a break, but you're just trying to knock off as many things as you can. And uh, it, it was fun. I, I loved it. And uh, you know, it's, I, I always, I never looked at it as work because like I, I've, I've wanted this. And so it's during a pandemic. All right. What are you going to do? You're going to just look at this differently or make the most out, out of it. And that's kind of the approach we've taken. You talk about parsing things down. I read, I think <clears throat> in uh, Brian Hamilton's story that you guys did 
uh, a folder, uh, when I become a head coach folder, yeah. the, the uh, you know, whether it's physical folder, mental folder, whatever, and, yes. and you know, Brendan, Brendan kind of hit on it. How big did that folder get by the end? But before, you know, right before you got the job, let's say like yeah, end of last cool. season, how big did that folder get? It, it was, um, so I, I ended up just starting like, it started like with literally like four or five clips from, um, I remember from like Wichita State, Northern Iowa, when mm-hmm. I was at Illinois State of like, hey, if I ever become a head coach, I loved running this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was like a month later, it was like, you just kept growing like, okay, I'll just keep this folder on, on my computer and yeah. just keep adding stuff to it. So then it was like, I saw a tweet or something and I really have a coaching clinic and then put that stuff in there. And then it matriculated into like, okay, let's actually open up a word document, create a philosophy. Like what would I take to an interview? And then you start talking like after two years and you get a feel for this whole thing. And then you start talking to assistant coaches. Then you start talking to some head coaches on the road. And it's like, what they ask in an interview, what, 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 what would you do if you got to do differently? If that's the one thing I asked every head coach that I, I came around and um, put in my recruiting notebook. Um, and I get some really good answers, you know, just said, like, if you go back to your first job, what would you do differently? And I would say that 90% of the coaches, uh, they always said, take your time, hiring staff, just take your time, get that right. Um, and that was a common theme throughout everything. And then the other thing was don't, don't be too quick to, to just sign guys to put them on the team. Um, so it's all, you know, and it goes back to what everybody says and leadership. It's about the people that you surround yourself with. So that was the theme. And I just kept putting that stuff into yeah. in there. And then when I got to, to Michigan, Nick, it was like, I just said, okay, I'm with one of the greatest coaches of all time. How am I going to do this? Like I'm trying to begin with the end in mind. Like, so if I'm here five years, what's this going to look like if I'm here three years? Yeah. So I just kept this, what I called the beeline Bible. And I put that into the, uh, into this, when I become a head coach and I just said, like, I'm going to take every possible note I can on, on coach beeline. And as if I was going to a clinic every day and, um, I went to a clinic every day <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for coach P the things I learned. I'm looking back, um, you know, every, every, probably once a week I'll open that up and just kind of go through, okay, program wise, am I missing anything? Is there some little, you know, the nook and cranny of, of, of the program and building it? Uh, is there something I'm missing and just go through his stuff. And um, you always find like this little thing that, Oh yeah, I remember we did that um, with Duncan and Mo and Mohammed. And, uh, that was a good, good meeting. And so I, I just tried to, try to always keep keep growing that. So at the end of that, Nick, there was offense, there was defense, there was culture, there was drills, uh, set plays. Um, I think um, clinic notes. Uh, so just everything in there, I think by the end of that, there, it was probably eight or nine folders. And then within that, it was just, you know, it was, it was too much, you know, that you could use. Um, but that was the – to to about parsing that down, which to your, to your question was going back and saying, okay, now, okay, I'm the head coach. Like what, what are, what, what are the, the six things yeah, that we're going to stand important. for? And then let's recruit to those. Let's hire our staff to those things and then build from there. And then you just can't be the one thing I, I, I know you just can't be, you can't put in stuff too fast there has to be a methodical approach and you kind of want to get to 
from A to Z as fast as you can. But if you do that, you end up going back to C and then retracing steps. And I, I just try and very, very hard being diligent about not, not doing that. So here's something you talk about philosophy. Here's something I'm extremely curious about because I'm always fascinated by how guys different approaches when they get a yeah. day job, especially a first job when it's your first kind of go round. Um, and it's in roster building. And, you know, I, I've said a number of times that like, I, I feel almost when someone gets a, a new job, um, your first second years, there is some leeway in those first and second years in terms of results, right? Yeah. And if you bring in freshmen first, then when you get to years three and four, when it can kind of be nut cutting time for some coaches, you know, <laughs> um, you have guys who are older, who've been in the program, who know your system, who know your stuff. Yeah. You might be in better position to win in year three and four with, with older guys. Now, yep. obviously that's really hard with transfers nowadays, but so you, you balance that thought versus the, you want to win, you want to win games in yep. your first year. You want to make the NCAA tournament next year. You want to win the horizon league. So Correct. you, you go transfers, you go older guys who you might only have for one year, but they can conceivably give you more than a freshman can. So you're balancing these two things. So yes. how, how do you kind of view that win now versus program building, culture building that will still be in place in year three and, and four? Uh, you know, carefully um, is, is the, the most appropriate word. But I, I think there's a couple ways I looked at this. Uh, I, I think the, the, first, the first part of this is, you know, you're getting to know your players that are on the team. And, you know, there's really good – really good kids, uh, really good kids, enjoyed talking to them and their family. And it was always like, I always try to, to look at this from the perspective of, as a high school coach, when I, when I took over a job, um, whether it was at Sterling and then went to LaSalle, Peru and Joliet, like there was a senior class and yeah. they weren't transferring and they weren't mm -hmm. gonna be able to move their family. Like, okay, the new coach is here. And for me, when I look back even then further, Brandon, when I look back and said, you know, my senior year, um, our coach, Chips Giovanni, who was a Hall of Fame coach after my junior year, he left, retired. Um, and then there was this, like, I remember this, you know, consternation amongst the guys, like, okay, who's going to be the coach? And mm. I hope Coach Cram gets it, who was our sophomore coach, and he had played at LaSalle, Peru, and it was like, that'd be great, and because it was comfortable and um, for me. And then, so we ended up, you know, he got the job, and there was like this smooth transition, but I always remembered like if somebody else would have came in, like that was still my senior year. And that's the way I look at it with our guys. What I told the four seniors that we have coming back um, is that took a look at this and said, well, Hey, I, these guys want to win. They, they don't want to just be part of some, Hey, coach coming in, he's going to bring in his own guy. Like, no, we're not, we're not going to do that. And um, so want to have, make sure that they're, that's the first part of this. Like they have a senior year here and they're, they're committed and they're, they're in and they've chose to, to stay. And I'm excited about uh, our senior class and then what, what the leadership they've grown. So uh, brought to the table. So with that said, then you take a look and say, okay, we, we have this and there's now what are the pieces that you need to do in order to balance the winning 
mm. um, and being competitive and have a chance to win the Horizon League and then building your program. And that all goes back to, like, the, the, for me, the, the core values of, of the program, what you're going to stand for if you recruit and know your values and you stay true to those, that if, if, a, if a young man is there for two years or four years, if those are the things that you're, you're hanging your hat on and you've done the vetting process well enough that you say, okay, these, these guys stand for our core values and what we're all about, then that two years is, is going to be good. Would you love to have them for four? Yes, but you're hot, you, you have the right guys in the right seats. Are they going to make mistakes and, and not fit? And like, are there going to be some, some issues at times? Yeah, but that's it. So I told our coaches staff that, you know, that's why kids need coaches and teachers because they're, they're not perfect. So we can hire, not hire, but we can recruit towards our core values. We can hire towards our core values with our staff. And if there's mistakes along the way, that's, that's where the mentoring, the leadership part comes into the whole thing. And um, so the building, the program is about the core values and about the style of play and about your evaluation of, of, of players. And then um, you, you keep building. And then obviously the transfer, uh, rule and however that kind of plays out in another year or so and how that's going to be infected by the pandemic obviously remains to be seen but that that's something that's coming down the line um so there is going to be some turnover in 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 your um on your roster but the main thing is that you you have to have this foundation upon which to build and that was something that uh i really learned from from coach beeline shaka was really good um with having this, this is our, this is our foundation guys. They got to have this. And then we keep building from there. And then you end up with, with, with a core um, group of people that are also surrounded and built upon your core values. So that um, is probably uh, too long of an answer uh, to that question. Um, But it's, it's something that I I really, I was thought a lot about Brandon and, and I want to make sure that, you know, the competitor and, and you says, okay, we have, we have really good kids. There's some talent and we want to build that talent. And then we want to f- put the pieces around there um, where we need them and then grow that talent. But it's got to be grown um, with the right, right people that are about the right things. And um, I think if you have that, then you're, you're always going to be in a position where you're speaking the same language to kids. Hey everyone, it is Brendan and I am here to ask you whether you smell or not. And when I say smell, I mean smell good because, you know, cologne is, uh, is something that is gradually, I think, kind of faded from the, uh, the, 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 the pride that men take uh, in, their, in their general uh, presentation. Uh, you remember the old, like, how old men used to smell when we were all younger, the, these rancid colognes that they would use that would stink up the whole house. Everything kind of smelled like a, a, a bad boardroom. Well, now there is cologne for 2020 uh, for, the, for the modern man. It's Hawthorne with an E. Uh, Hawthorne with an E dot com. Uh, this is cologne for today. Uh, you don't smell like your dad. You won't smell even worse like your granddad. Um, but just a pleasant scent for your loved ones uh, to enjoy. Maybe uh, that, that person whose attention you're trying to get. Yeah, you know, uh, maybe they take notice. Um, and yourself, you know, it's nice not to stink. And most of you probably do out there, even if you don't know it. So 
um, you know, your deodorant, your shampoo, your body wash, you got to seal the deal at the end with some Hawthorne cologne. So check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use our promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Luke, recruiting during a pandemic without visits, you know, getting a commitment without a visit, uh, all these things. We've seen a lot, you know, I'm doing a lot of football stuff. I see a lot of football and I know recruiting is this, you know, it never ends for you guys. You recruit 24 hours a day anyway, you know, seven days a week, it's all that stuff. But how much different, you know, I suppose is that dynamic of, you know, I can't get this person to campus. I can't get their family to campus, whatever it is. I mean, how much, uh, sort of how much do you have to work around that sort of thing right now? And, and I mean, has it become something where you figured out ways to sort of smooth that over or is that still something you're sort of searching for? Yeah, I think we're always looking for things, Nick. It's a great question. Uh, I, I think the, the key part um, in recruiting is, is relationships. So in, in any way, shape or form of how, how you build relationships and then you're able to articulate your vision and your plan um, for what you're doing um, on a, you know, on a year to year basis, but then obviously from an immediate standpoint mm-hmm. with our, with our, with our players that we've been recruiting, it's again, making sure that everybody, all the assistant coaches have the vision for what's our offensive style of play. What's our defensive style of play. What's our culture going to be like. And then number four, what, what, and most importantly, okay, there's what's the academic. Okay. Um, landscape look like and being able to, uh, again, really promote the the high um, academic value of a, of a UIC degree. And so you just keep, again, very focused upon what it is that you're going to be about um, from the academics to the offense, the defense, and the core values. And then, you know, I've, and then the skill development piece, those are the five things that really resonate um, and that we're kind of making sure that we're always mentioning. But then you have to make sure that you, you your evaluations um, – we're watching a lot of video yeah, obviously right. now. So you're trusting your eye there and then you're following up with coaches and it really, it's a, it, the vetting process and the, the diligence behind, you know, kind of crossing every T and dot and I's um, with each um, student athlete that you're, that you're recruiting becomes, you know, even more and more um, important um, during this time period. And then uh, conversely, when, you know, on the other side of that, when the players, are, student athletes are, are getting recruited, they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's as well. Because, sure, yeah. You know, they're AAU coach and high school coach and, and the parents are all involved in this because there is this, this unknown. But part of the unknown and being able to, kind of, to really build trust is, is making sure that you can, uh, you can articulate the vision. And I think that's, uh, that's a key piece of the whole thing about where – what we want to become and who we are uh, right now, where, where we're going and being able to, to really make sure that they have a clear vision of, of how that looks in terms of, and the, their role within how that looks. Mm-hmm. So, so far you've taken by my count four transfers who are, who are signed. Mm-hmm. Um, Zion Griffin, a junior and coming from Iowa state, uh, Tavion Kirk, who comes from Colorado State after a sit-out year there, following really solid two years at Ohio. Uh, Maurice Commander, who I believe is a Chicago kid, right? Correct. 
Um, and he transfers in as a junior from Chattanooga. And then my favorite is Ray Quandis Mitchell. Uh, mm-hmm. Juco from, is it Otero or Otero? Otero, yep. College. Otero Junior College. Yep. And uh, previously had D1 experience at Idaho. Right. But I believe when I looked, uh, are any of these guys grad transfers for sure? No. No. So these are – you know, you're in this weird middle ground where there was all this talk about this May 20th vote that that might pass the immediate eligibility rule, or that there's going to be there the NCA might be more liberal with with waivers this year because of the pandemic, or maybe they won't be, or you know, it's just so much mm-hmm. gray area that you're in. Where is this guy going to be able to play? Won't he, is he going to be a sit out? Like, I mean, just how difficult is it? navigating that process of we might have him next year, might not have him next year. Who knows? We want him either way, but you know, like that just has to be so, so difficult, especially as a first year guy um, trying to build what will be your first team. Yeah, it, it is. Brandon, there's, it's like, there, there's always, it's like you're trying to hit moving targets and the target right. is, and ultimately some, some days it feels like there's three of them. Um, and they're all moving at once and you're trying to figure it out, but every coach is in the same, same boat to your point, Brandon, we, we, we talk about as, as horizontally coaches on our, our zoom meetings, you know, there's the same concerns are, are coming from everywhere, obviously. So it's, it's not, it's not something unique, you know, to UIC or, or anywhere else. Um, it's all over. Like what's, what is going to happen and what's it going to look like? And we all want to kind of try to, shape the future and have an idea of what the end looks like. But not only do you not know what the, the transfer exact transfer rule and how that that's going to play out, it's going to look, but then you don't know how the, the pandemic um, mm-hmm. is going to affect things as well. Um, so it, again, going back to a couple questions ago, the, the, the focus of vision um, and the, the focus of the task at hand is like we, let, let's just, we had we looked at it and said, okay, we've got you know six scholarships available. Okay, we're not going to be in a rush to to get any one of them. Let's get the right person and the right the right student athletes that are about the right things, and then we'll just keep slowly building until we end up with hmm. with a, with with the roster. And um, I think the, the the big part you know is just in 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 the recruiting is that there were some like dates that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And how's that going to affect our roster? And then how's that going to affect our recruiting? And you just have to go and like, okay, today, this is what, this is the situation that exists today. So let me be, let me, let me do a great job working within this framework. And then you, you work to say, having a contingency plan that, you know, you're looking at kind of a, B and C, if this happens, on May 20th, this could happen. Um, and this could happen and, and affect us. Um, but ultimately, uh, if you look too far ahead, then you start chasing your own tail. Um, and then you start second guessing yourself. Um, and then you, you're waiting when you shouldn't have waited, like when it feels right. And it, and you get to the point where it's, and this is, this is, this is the young man that, that, that we need to, to be recruiting. You get to that point, you feel good about it. And, and it fits, it fits, and you move forward. And then, again, when things change, we adapt and, uh, and change with it. And that, that's kind of the approach that 
that I took um, in doing it to, to really slow, slow myself down in my mind about how many things you have to do, but really what's, what's most important right okay. now. I don't know if I've ever asked you this, Luke, but are, are you generally in favor of immediate eligibility or, or do you kind of, are you okay with the way it is now? Or what are your kind of general thoughts on you know, the whole? I, I honestly, I, I could, like, whatever, you want to always do everything that's in the best interest of, of the student athletes. And what we're, what we're trying to, trying to do is, you know, as a college basketball you know, in general and, and college sports um, in general. So I, I think that um, there's individual situations exist that would, that would work well for student, student athletes in, in every situation. And then there's also on the other side that uh, just didn't work out exactly right. right. Uh, so I don't think there's a perfect system. I do think that we are moving towards the immediate eligibility, the one-time transfer. That's mm -hmm. all the, you know, the, the word on the street that, that we're getting um, from everywhere. So we're going to, when that happens, if it happens, then you you do your best within that system um, to make it work for your program and make it work for the student athletes that, um, that, that are within it. And the key thing, you know, with, with, with it all, it still boils down to whatever, whatever you do, it's about the relationships that um, you're fostering and the type of program that you're building on a day-to-day -day basis that, we want kids that um, things coach coach B used to always say we want, we want kids that want to run through the doors to come to Michigan and you know when, when they they have that kind of like I got to be there um, and I want to stay there approach then that's our job when they're on campus mm -hmm. and then if something else changes then we operate within whatever rules um, are in place at the time. I'm curious, Luke. When obviously you know you're you're you never quite know, right? When you're ready, fully ready to be a head coach. Yeah. I mean, obviously you thought you were, you know, you thought you were when you applied for this job. Otherwise, you wouldn't have done it. But when you look back, right, on, on your time coming up as a younger coach, I'm sure there were times where maybe you thought I'm ready to do this. That maybe you look back on now and say, you know, maybe I wasn't. Yeah. And my question would be, when when maybe did you really know? You know, as a coach, who sort of like you said, you're building that folder, you're climbing ladder, listen to all these guys. When did you think you really knew, you know, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to run my own program uh, for sure. When did you really kind of figure that out? Uh, it, it's a good one. I don't think, you know, to, to most people, uh, everybody tell you like, you're never like, there's so many things yeah. you're never ready for uh, because you haven't thought about them or things that come up. Um, but I, I do think that um, it, it's, there was a point, you know, I think at, at times where the last year at Illinois state, where I mm -hmm. thought like, and I had talked to Dan about it uh, when I, in my postseason evaluation is, and that's kind of how it led to the whole Michigan yeah. um, pursuit. I just, I said, I'd kind of like to be a, you know, division, division two, division three head coach. Um, and so at that point I was like, I, I'm okay doing that. I just, I want to be a head coach and run a program. And um, that's when Dan has kind of said, well, you know, what, what about if you ever pursued a high, high major assistant job? And I said, well, I, Okay, you think I'm ready? For sure, and we don't want to have you leave here. But if you if you have something that you want, okay, so do it. So then, obviously, the story about Michigan is is the story. And then, probably about halfway through, um, probably the summer after that first year at Michigan, mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like that. It, it just everything felt like okay. I, there's things yeah. I'm not going to know. But it's the, the key thing, I think, Nick, about that is that you get comfortable um, knowing what you don't know. Right. And right. I think that's, that's the part of leadership. There, there's, 
and like, or and some confidence, et cetera, in yourself that say, okay, if that happens, I, I, I have enough confidence in myself and the staff that I, I will figure that out. Mm-hmm. And whereas like maybe my second and third years, I looked at some situations that Dan had, or you, you talk about some other coaches like, oh man, I, uh, I'm not ready for that. Right. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not ready for that. Um, so th- whatever comes up, I, I think the key thing, uh, really key thing is that, um, you know, you have support system around you to help you from your family to, to your staff. And then you also have the, these experiences that you just go and you've thought about, but then just this feeling like that we're going to, going to find a way and figure it out um, in any way that, that it has to happen. We'll make it work. And that's, yeah. I think that summer is when I start putting things together yeah. and more it's like, okay, I've got a portfolio now and, now I want to start thinking about how I'm going to answer questions. So I, I guess that really, Nick, is really kind of where it came into play. Maybe that middle of the first year where you just start thinking like, okay, what's an interview question like? What would I yep. be asked? And what am I going to take to an interview? And that's really where that kind of the, the folder, when I become a head coach folder, get, got parsed down. It's like, okay, what am I taking into an interview? And what am I really going to say, you know, if you have an hour about talk about what you're going to do. What would you do? And I, I think that that's the, the point where I got there. You know, what's just so interesting is that the, the trend has been, especially for first time head coaches are getting younger, 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 right? It's now early thirties, yeah. mid thirties. That's kind of the, the, the first time head coaching jobs. That's pretty much where they're going. It seems for, for almost the most part um, in some instances, maybe it just feels that way. But like when, when you were 37, which is basically how old Nick and I are now, mm-hmm. you you turned down the offer from Dan to yeah. join his staff. You were you were yeah. a head high school coach, had a good thing going. I know you Different were just world, com- yeah. you you were comfortable with your life, yep. right? Be a teacher, win yes. a million games at this high school. Maybe they named the court <laughs> after you one day. That's all good, you know. That's it's a pretty good it's life, a, man. It's a good life, you know. Win a million. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not and, bad. And Dan Muller offered you an assistant job yeah, and you turned them down and it sat there for two weeks and yeah, I, and then you got back to it and it's just, it's just crazy the way life works. Um, if that job had been filled, we probably wouldn't be talking today. Absolutely. Not even, not even a chance. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wonder because, you know, Nick and I like to ask guys about this, you know, what, what, what were you thinking when you were kind of our, our age? Um, you're 44 now, right Luke? Yes. Um, so just, you know, what, what was kind of going through your head there and how do you even frame all of that nowadays in terms of what you take away from it? Well, I tell you what, now like, it's, it is nuts. Uh, really, really nuts. What I, that, that, that whole process to, to still be available. And I, you know, the, when you look at it now from a hiring standpoint, that if I would have had offered somebody a job, like, within mm. you know four weeks ago and they'd say hey coach i'm just gonna stay where i'm at right now i just said okay yeah i, I appreciate the opportunity to interview it was great talking to you next guy yeah All right you're over next phone call and probably two days later you probably after the interview process had gone over probably offering somebody else that you had interviewed that you felt comfortable about or at least been you know searching somebody else i i have that, that to, to me, I think it, 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 it's a, I get the chills a little bit talking about that, Brandon, because it, right. it's, I, I have no clue how that 
and why that happened the way it did. Um, you know, I know that, you know, I, that Amy, uh, you know, relationship obviously helped with Dan, but a- Amy, my wife had, you know, been calling and texting Dan because to let him know that, Hey, he's really struggling with this decision. That's mm. kind of like, I, I just had the dream high school job. I, it was what I wanted to do my whole, my whole career. So it was like leaving that for huge unknown. Yeah, right. I got over that. Uh, my AD at, um, at Joliet, um, Chris Olson was, was big, um, really big. And I had some uh, other close friends, um, that were involved in that. Um, but yeah, it was just I, the AD said, like, this is something I, I think you need to you need to pursue this and, and think about this from a little different perspective um, for what you're doing. And uh, he, he had we had Chris and I exchanged some, you know, some texts and some phone calls. And, uh, you know, here he was, you know, he was my athletic director and he's saying, like, you need to you need to really. Right. Go after this hard, and then that was like I, I called up Dan, and it was I remember this feeling, Brendan, like this pit in my stomach. Like oh. I was standing, I was at a clinic at um, at uh, it was in Indianapolis at uh, the Coaching You Live clinic, and I finally like I told Amy like I'm calling Dan, and um, and I, I called him. It was on, I was outside his clinic, and I just like this pit in my stomach just is the job still open? And I remember there was just this like knot in my stomach hanging on this word. Like if he says no, and then I, I will like, it was at that point, like, what have I done? I, I may have like, I will regret this for the next 20 yeah. years of my life. If, if, if this job is filled and he said, um, he had some choice words for me. <laughs> he, said, he said, yeah, you did something, something, something. And uh, what, what the heck are you thinking here? And I said, well, I, I needed time coach and I, I'm sorry. And it, it was, it ended up being the right way, but that was uh, that, it, that, that answer for him, which was probably took him eight to 10 seconds, felt like eight to 10 minutes coming out of his mouth. Yeah. Those rings on the phone, I bet, felt like 20 minutes, right? Oh, like man. Waiting for him to pick up? No <laughs> doubt. No doubt, Nick. And, and in reality, he probably knew exactly why I was uh-huh. calling. Right. Yeah. It probably uh, was priming him to, to hold on. So, unbelievable. Um, yeah, it's – yes, the tangled webs we weave, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's the pivot point. I mean, that is just really when everything changes. And yeah. at, at that time, I, I imagine you kind of had to – like you've always been pretty, uh, I'll put it in a nice way, psychotic about basketball. Um, <laughs> I remember talking to Dan and uh, after you got the Michigan job, and we, I don't know Dan at all, but we were talking for about a half an hour about you and blah, blah, blah. And he says, uh, he's like, look, you know, you know, a lot of, all of us really love basketball. He's like, but, but Luke, like, loves basketball like it is it it consumes him in in a lot of ways and it was just interesting hearing a a coach describe another coach that way Mm -hmm. and that's always kind of stuck with me when when I thought about kind of you know how your mind works and things like that and I I just wonder when you're making that shift from okay you're 37 now you're going to be a a d1 assistant coach and now you're going to pursue this head coaching job finding your work life balance of not letting this thing just completely 
yeah. overtake you, right? And still sure. being able to operate on some level plane of normalcy. Um, what, what's that? What does that process kind of look like for you? It's it's hard at times, um, Brennan. And I think the the first thing is that you have um, and it, the the support network that you surround yourself with, it, like your family. Um, that that's number one. Like Amy is an absolute unbelievable, um, you know, just su- support supporter of everything that. Um, that kind of I've done professionally from, you know, high school level and, and on. And we just have a, a, a tight family that we've always been around the gym together. So even going back to the time as a high school coach, Brendan, it was like we, we tr- took scouting trips together. And I thank family for that because that's not something everybody like kids and wife, they all like to do. But we just did that. We'd go out to eat. we watch a game, get popcorn. Kids get candy and then – We'd watch the game and go home and in the car together. And that was a lot of our, it was just good family time. And, mm-hmm. and then we did that with coaching AAU. And um, so th- that part was, was always apparent. And then uh, Amy had, had, you know, she worked with Lon Kruger at uh, Illinois when he was there as kind of um, doing some SID work. And she, she was a manager for Ron Turner um, at Illinois with the football program. And hmm. she did some, some writing with, um, you know, for all the sports at, at Illinois because um, she loved it. So she knew and she understood that also before going into college coaching and she lived, loved living in a college town. So there's a lot of the backstory there to, to your question, Brennan, is that, that there's an understanding about what it's going to take to, to be good. Um, and you know, then to, to be successful in the job and, and the kids, uh, they, they love being in a college town. Um, Olivia Griffin and Taylor, you know, when we went to Illinois state, it was like, okay, dad's gone a little bit more and that hurt um, for sure. Not being at all of your son's, you know, junior high games, um, it hurts. And um, in, in a lot of, in a lot of different ways, but um, you know, Dan was awesome about never, you know, I didn't miss hardly anything at the, at the school. We were in town. If I need to leave the office, like that was, it's important. I say this because it's important for who you work for and having a family, family values in this as well, because there's, there's just different ways to, to do it. Our kids in in, Texas, at Michigan and Illinois state, if my wife and and kids want to come in and watch practice, they could do that any day of the week. They came into the office to sit and bring me lunch. They could do that any day of the week. And again, that's the way we want to have our program, that family atmosphere and feel around it at all times. And that's where the balance comes in because it's, you know, you, you have to have that too. There's a balancing between them understanding what the, what the job is all about and, and you understanding what the job is all about. And then there has to be that connection and balance between the two. And we, the entire extended family from my mother and father-in-law to my mom and dad um, and, and everybody around, they, they understand and they get it and they're supportive. So they drove drive, drive to Michigan. They drove to Texas. They'd be at Illinois state game. So it's as much the family background, Brendan, for me, and I'm thankful for every, you know that that side of my family for supporting, you know, mm-hmm. this journey of of mine. But it's not mine; it's ours because we've done this whole thing together. Um, from a, I mean, literally, I mean, from my mom and grandparents, and and all from mother and father-in-law to 
to, to again, Amy and, and the three kids, it, it's been an extended experience. And that's what's fun about it. So with that whole thing at Michigan going to Final Four, like it was like the culmination of like, you know, 15 or 16 yeah. years of riding in a car together. And now you look <laughs> back and, you know, Duncan Robinson's dribbling out the clock against Florida State. And you had 10 seconds, you know, they didn't foul there, but you had this like eight to 10 seconds where it was like, you just, I'll never forget it. Like you're just seeing this all unfold and you just like, everything's flashed through my like we're going to find four we're going to find four we're going to find four. <laughs> and then you know I, I turn around like and the clock's still like at six or seven and i turn around and you know there's amy my high school coach um amy and olivia taylor and griffin are all like right there and uh it's just like you're watching this and, and i remember mouthing to to amy like we're going <laughs> it's like, but it means something to everybody brennan so right. like it's not true i i've you know, like that part of the the family dynamic has has been great and um you know amy amy's just rich she's a rock with that stuff and, and and being able to to navigate that stuff and and plan things and she enjoys that so that that part of it is like we're all in together and that's why i love the the experience of that for them too. And then, um, you know, just on a day-to-day -day basis, you, you have to find the first month I didn't do a good job. Um, you know, with this particular job right now, just trying to like being able to, you're in quarantine and you have this family time. And then I had to say, okay, we gotta, gotta make sure that we're taking time to do like, just to get out for an hour or two and just like shut it off for a second. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And, um, so that that's kind of where I've gone now. Like, meant I'm in the South Peru doing work here and spending time with my mom and dad and my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, and then drive down to Bloomington and I just you know spend the afternoon in my daughter's apartment holding my grandson. And you just you have to make sure you do that. And then the communication piece um, with everybody involved is really important. But it's um, to to what you said, Nick. It's you know you, the head coach is mine. That was my mind, Brandon. Like with yeah. It just doesn't turn off. Like I, I, I enjoy thinking about basketball. Enjoy thinking about our program, and then everybody's like, I can talk to to Amy about it. And that's what's that's what's you know, mm. fun and sometimes unique is because she knows like all about the recruiting, and she'll follow somebody and on Twitter, and they like <laughs> there, there's it's like he said this or he tweeted this or his list is five. Like you know, <laughs> it's all it's all part of it, and uh, so. The, the work the work life balance um, you know your head coaching mind is 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 always on and then your, your father and your husband mind is always on and um, you're just trying to do an absolute best but I, I would not be able to do this at all um, or get get to this position where you can be in this position to apply for a head job with without without Amy and the supports support system of especially um, the kids at home because they, they've been that they've been all in on this stuff. So that, that part's fun. Okay, folks, we're actually going to leave it right there for today. Nick ended up asking a, uh, a question about um, the coaching climb and kind of advice to uh, younger coaches mm -hmm. and actually younger anyone yeah, right. um, about, you know, making certain decisions and, of going all in on something or, or, you know, taking an easier route, whatever. And it kind of opened up a can of worms that uh didn't have time for today yeah luke, luke really wanted to get into it but unfortunately he had a a all staff meeting to jump to so uh he has 
uh, generously agreed to come back on next week, and we're going to do uh, a separate episode kind of on that topic. Sure. Um, for anyone who is maybe making job decisions or whatever it might be, uh, we'll all talk about it. And maybe we'll, the three of us will kind of talk about our various roads and, and really get into that exact topic. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this one. But uh, we have some more Luke Yaklich coming your way, right? I mean, Nick, I think this is going Yeah, to- next week. I think we'll, we'll do – I don't know what day, but we'll uh, get a time when it works out for Luke. And, yeah, it's, it's just interesting, right? I mean, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's the classic example, I think, of a guy. If you haven't read the story Brennan wrote from a couple years ago on Luke's path from Illinois State, really before that, you know, he's a classic example of a guy who really did get, you know, to a certain point in his life where he thought maybe he had what he wanted, and then it changed. And, uh, you know, that's, that's relatable for a lot of folks, I think, in, you know, many areas for sure. And Luke said, he's like, this is the topic that's near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. I really want to, I I don't want to shortchange this answer. So um, I'm really curious to see uh, what he wants to say. So uh, we will get back into that next week with Luke Yaklich. Uh, We appreciate you all listening this week. If you'd be so kind to leave us a review in the iTunes store, that is very helpful. So hop in there, leave a review. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, I don't know what the hell you're waiting for. Get on that uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, tonight, get yourself a takeout meal from your favorite local establishment and uh, support your uh, your favorite bartenders and servers and everyone else out there who needs it. So thanks for listening. The place where I-